Hello and welcome aboard our podcast, Fighting Catholic Jetlag. My name is JC and I'll be your host. I'm a flight attendant and I'm on a journey to find my place within the Catholic Church. I'll be accompanied by my friend and co-host, Father Larry Hostetter, priest of 34 years and doctor of sacred theology. He's a Catholic University president and for our discussion, he'll serve as spiritual ground control to keep things on course for our flight back to faith. At times, we'll be navigating through difficult and uncomfortable issues, so prepare for a bit of turbulence along the way. There won't always be easy answers, but no subject will be off the table. If you're ready to explore your own doubts and questions and rediscover your faith with us, then sit back, buckle up, and enjoy our flight to faith. Yeah, we are. Okay. Okay, let's start. Ready? Yeah. Okay. So, did you have a nice vacation? It was a very nice. It was not the best time to go, be, to be away from school, but it was one that I had to cancel in January because of COVID. And so this was the only week that was available. That was everyone great. mad at you for leaving? No, I don't know if anybody even noticed. <laughs> what was going on at school? Everything. Eyeball. Uh, yeah. I mean, because it's like, uh, it's end of the year. Uh, inaugural ball. Okay, not eyeball. No, no, it's <laughs> inauguration ball for the new I know, that's, I'm like, maybe office. I heard that. It's so. their, it's our formal. Oh. But it's like end of the year, like today was yeah. what, the president's we report? Had, yeah, today I gave the president's report. Like, and Isn't that sweet? While I was gone, we had the spring fling, you know, it was big, yeah. big to do when they have games and stuff in the quad. Was, yeah, it's like a fun... I mean, it's a fun time in college, like after Easter. Like I got back in time uh, to go. You know, last time I uh, said I had been invited to uh, the dinner after close of Ramadan, and I wasn't able to go to that one, but I got invited again. And it was the day I got back, I went to that. Camp- uh, it was really nice. The food was incredible. It was a Friday. I said, for an introvert, he does a lot of activities. But I was invited to this. I didn't know it was the one he was going to. You know, my friend I told you about at Meg's church, it's the preacher there. Mm -hmm. His church does this stuff for the community all the time. And so we were talking and just hadn't talked to him in a while. And he's like, this thing is coming up. And then this past week, he said, your buddy, Father Larry, was there. And I'm like, no way. When you're in everything. Well, and we've been a little irregular. This well, time. So, you know, why, everybody, tell us why that is. Well, partly because we've all been really busy. But most importantly. Uh, but, you know, Rebecca, our producer, was getting ready for baptism, although she has not been the problem. I, it's easiest to blame Rebecca and say, <laughs> Rebecca, you're coming into the church. Why don't we take some time off? And then she feels <laughs> terrible. And we're like, we're really busy, too. <laughs> but I've traveled some. You've so traveled. I've traveled. But. You know, the last one on Shroud, the two on Shroud, which I thought were kind of good. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I was, we were all in different places recording that, and you can tell by the sound. Yeah, it, but it was good. I think it was needed, especially with um, the end of Lent, everything after that, like the beginning of Easter, essentially. Sweet. Yeah, I think we really needed the time to like, I, I think we really 
did a good job at knowing when to step back in order to enjoy what was going on around us. Because right. mm-hmm. this is a huge production for Rebecca to have to pull oh, off each I week. Oh, edits it every week. And that's yes. That's work. You know, yes. We're sipping champagne. Or whatever every we're week we're Friday shipping night, champagne you know? on Friday night. And Rebecca and, is And she's somewhere working. working in a cave. In a cave. Just typing and, you know, um, editing. <laughs> so. We have a bunch of stuff here to, to be blessed that she brought mm-hmm. as uh, uh, rosaries. I, they're going to have a rosary for every outfit. It'll be, she'll be like a Renaissance princess. She every, is a Renaissance every, princess. Every outfit will have its own, um, what do you call it when okay. things go with matching? Match. Yeah, they match. match. Matching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that pretty much sums up everything. So you ready to pray and be done with this episode? Yeah. <laughs> So is that all y'all been doing? I mean, pretty much. Yeah. What? How was um? How was Colorado? I think we covered that part. Did yeah, we? It was good. <laughs> we covered. A lot of we covered the Met Gala. Yeah. Um, I call it a gala too. Isn't that what it's called? No, gala. I I hear gala and gala, but I've always called it a American gala. English, I it's gala. Really I've always called it a gala. Yeah, American English, it's gala, and in British English, it's gala. So, do you think it's okay that Kim wore Marilyn's dress? Yeah, we kind of com- commented on that earlier because it's not the shroud. It's not the shroud of Jesus. It's fun. Her dress, and I really didn't know anything about that. Until you just mentioned that that was her, the dress that Marilyn Monroe when she sang "Happy Birthday" to President Kennedy. Yeah, Rebecca knew that. That was yeah. a fun fact. No, learn some stuff. The I did hear that there was a little bit of to do because she lost sixteen pounds in two weeks, and that that's not a good example for girls to have to. That that's not a good model, right? But when have the Kardashians? Why are we surprised now that the Kardashians are not maybe the best um, <laughs> role models? <laughs> I don't. I'm not. That's what did it. That's yeah. that is what did it. They're just looking like they're also like you know though. The more they go in on them, the more I'm just like I'm not gonna go in on that hate because that's dumb. Like I don't know if you don't. If you're not into it, don't be into it. But there's still people, right? Mm-hmm. But I think that the more the more you like condemn them, the more it gives them a platform. Mm-hmm. So that's why I just I don't I, like. I think if anything, like if I had daughters, because that I mean, 16 pounds in two weeks, and kind of I don't want to say she was bragging about it, but kind of using that as here's how I looked like this. Yeah, that can be very damaging for young girls, but also that's conversation you have with your daughter, not on Twitter. Everything's on Twitter or whatever now, even though that's a different way to see what happens now that somebody else owns that. Yeah. I don't have Twitter account. I had one. I thought you were still on the Twitter. The Twitter is just too ugly. Really? Well, I got on Twitter honestly, to find out what young people, young theologians, Catholic theologians are saying. I think I might have already said this at some point, haven't I? Yeah. Hello, fellow teens. Yeah. Have you so, seen, have you seen that know. meme? <laughs> We're going to post that on the Instagram. Hello, what? Hello fellow teens. <laughs> That's an old guy. Yeah. Well, no, I was interested in what are, what are contemporary theologians saying? Um, and 
and it was really fascinating. Um, and, and then I got into what Jewish theologians were saying. It was really interesting, contemporary Jewish theologians, Protestant theologians. There's a lot of really good stuff, but there's also a lot of ugly stuff. And when I was listening to it or looking at it, primarily it was during the election year. And it was like, uh, I don't need this. Mm-hmm. Negativity in my life. This, yeah, I've this. cut out people for lesser offenses. Right. So okay. cut out Twitter. I mean, it's not that hard. Yeah. You know, well, the upside to Twitter, the one really great thing that came from Twitter is, have you heard about mean tweets where they read like on Jimmy Kimmel, I think yes, where celebrities read mean tweets about themselves. <laughs> have you heard about that? No. I, I have to show you. It's, it's really funny. Yeah. I'll, I'll send you people some can tweet about anything. And I don't know why everybody feels like they have to have an opinion about everything. No. Yeah. Yeah. And like out there that it'll be out there forever. Like putting, as as we give our opinion on the podcast. So recent when I gave up uh, gave up Twitter, people kept sending me TikTok videos. And so I would You're click on, on it and it would have I'd have to go to the website to yeah. watch what they sent me. And they're usually funny. And so I thought, well, I'll just get the app app and you almost said watch, you know. The application. The application was the application. <laughs> and uh so um, I watched a few of those. I don't have anything loaded. I'm not interested in loading anything, but they're uploading uh, or, or making my own videos. Okay. Uh, although sometimes I think I could make some funny ones. Anyway. Um, All right. Yeah. Uh, but what was I getting ready to say? You oh, to even there. So, you know, silly. The favorite ones are like goats, you know, a little bit. They got these baby goats all yeah, over the TikTok. Have you seen those? Yeah. I mean, they're kind of cute and everything, but and horses and nature and that kind of thing. I've honestly never thought to look at TikTok for goats, horses, and nature. <laughs> yeah, it's like dances. It's I, dances and like how to do your makeup. Okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> we look at house stuff on TikTok. Yeah, yes. so a lot of farm stuff. It's interesting. And anyway, the comments, it's always fun to read the comments because somebody's got an opinion about something. You're not taking care of that goat the right way. That, yeah. goat, that, that baby goat is starving. And then somebody comes on and says, you've never raised a baby goat in your life. What do you know? <laughs> You're not taking care of that goat the right way. <laughs> Making Rebecca laugh is my favorite part of the show. <laughs> So should we start? I'm so innocent still. I know. Washed by baptism just two weeks ago. Do you see any sin just no. just on the surface? She's holier than all of us. I know. It's I had a little road rage, but then I said sorry instantly, and she didn't even hear me. So I, I had a little road rage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's good. Hmm. All right, so we probably should get to our content. I don't think we have any. Spaghetti and meatballs. What are you going (laughs) to... Fish and chips, what do we call it? I like spaghetti. Let's call it spaghetti and meatballs today. (laughs) Let's talk about about non-Catholic stuff and just call it... Let's have an Italian episode and call it spaghetti and meatballs. (laughs) We didn't... She's going to have to cut everything we just talked about. There is nothing. I think there's there's something there that you can use. If you use anything that I stuck my foot in my mouth for, you have to use all of this. That's the only advantage of not giving her enough time to edit. You don't get a chance to review. I know. (laughs) And she knows it too. Yeah. 
I mean, I've gotten any more where I'm, just I, mean, I just her. trust just her. Trust, I know. Trust Rebecca. Yeah. I mean, she's not doing anything. She's washed clean in baptism. I mean, if anything, I don't trust she that. Is going not to with be this one. More <laughs> careful than ever. No, I'm not busting this bubble. No, I know, right? I mean, look, when I compared your eyebrows to Carl, blessed Carl, the, what was Carl the first? <laughs> Can we post a picture of the blessed Carl on our Instagram? Because anyone who sees the blessed Carl will know this is not an eyebrow compliment. So, I love it that we could post like a before and after. <laughs> post my eyebrows and post his. I got this really cool book for my birthday. Um, from JC and it has it all the saints. It's called Drinking with the Saints, and it has all the saints, their stories, and then it has a little recipe. And one of the Pairs days, well I don't remember with. what day he was, is Blessed Carl, who's the last God. emperor. Here he is, Blessed Carl of Austria, the last. Oh, listen to his name, Blessed Carl Franz Josef Ludwig Hubert Georg Otto Marie. Also now, known as Charles the First. Now, does in do any of those names indicate that he has eyebrows that you want to emulate? Well, I just thought his eyebrows looked like yours, and you took it as an insult. <laughs> and the point of the story is, Rebecca said, "Oh, he meant it as a compliment." She, kind of she, looked, she whispered, I'm, so "She whispered over to you, he meant it as a compliment." No, and she knows you didn't mean it as a compliment. She just didn't know what to say. But I, but I, he meant it Look, as a compliment. <laughs> I gotta get a picture. That was it. That's awful. Um, all right. Well, thank you. I'm complimented and offended all at once. So thanks. Compared to a saint uh with terrible eyebrows. Saint Carl. Saint Carl. He's just busted. Maybe I should maybe I should change my saint to the blessed his, Carl. His wife um was Zeta. And that's who I named one of my dogs after, Zeta, the Empress. And so she died. It, it was like in the 80s or 90s. She lived a long time. And she, I think, was the last one to be buried in the, I think it was called the Capuchina Gruft, the crypt of the Capuchins, which is where all of the royal family of the Austro-Hungarian family is buried. Mm -hmm. And so the story goes that they would bring, that they brought her, and this is the way, the ritual that they had. They brought her to the, the crypt and they knocked on the door. The family and the funeral directors knocked on the door and behind it are the Capuchin monks who are in charge of this crypt. Okay. And they said, who goes there? And they listed her, all of her titles, you know, Zeta, Grand Empress, blah, 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 blah. And, and their response was, we do not know her. I don't and know then, that girl. <laughs> then they beat on the door again and they said, who goes there? And they did again, except this time it was shortened. Um, it, you know, Zeta, princess, daughter of, and they said, we do not know her. So then the third time they beat on the door, and I probably have the details wrong. One of you can correct, the, correct me, but um, the third time they beat on the door and they said, who goes there? And they said, Zeta, child of God sinner Aww. you know in need of redemption Aww. and they opened the doors wow. and so that's how every royal member of that family would be greeted in into that uh crypt. that's beautiful yeah, so it's kind of cool isn't it that in wow. the end that's all that matters is yeah your your baptismal name and that you need god's love yeah i like that what's your cool baptismal story. name again lawrence duh 
on the names we went. Yeah. Do you remember mine? Mm. JC. Yep. The first. <laughs> and and your uh, confirmation name is uh, Teresa. Uh huh. And you have two confirmation names because one's not enough. No. Teresa Lucier. Yeah. And then Rebecca took as a confirmation name Benedict. That's right. You could have Benedicta too. Um, oh. Benedicta. Yeah. Do you know who Saint um, Benedict of the? I think it's of the crosses, also known as Edith Stein. No. She was. Oh, she's the one. Yeah. She was the she's Jewish. She was Jewish converted Catholicism. Mm-hmm. Was one of the most brilliant thinkers of the early twentieth century. She was part of one of the philosophical circles, and I can't remember off the top of my head which one. Um, renowned in uh, Europe as a philosopher, became a Carmelite nun, um, and in, I believe in, in Holland, and uh, the Nazis rounded up all of the Jewish people. It's about the same time that Anne Frank was, and her family was arrested. Mm-hmm. Um, and she and her sister, who was a housekeeper at the convent, originally they said any converts Catholicism or Christianity were protected, but they also took her and her sister, and she died in the death camp. Um, and she declared a saint. I think John Paul II declared her a saint. Her given name was Edith Stein. And I want to say her uh, name of religion was St. Benedicta of the Cross. But let me I, You look like a, a Benedicta. I can see a Benedicta. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. You uh, look like a Benedicta. And my eyebrows look like a Carl. <laughs> <laughs> you had to name it. She was actually an agnostic in her teenage years. Keep laughing. St. Carl. She took the name, uh, here for even better, Teresa Benedicta. Of the oh, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Now, here's what. And here's her picture as a nun. Wow. Now, all I can look at are the. That's all I can look at, too, but I don't <laughs> want to be disrespectful. Now, here's what I love about Rebecca, because you had kind of a few saints you were thinking of and i was surprised when we were we were at rebecca's confirmation and baptism and um we when they said benedict for rebecca were you surprised i was i remember you saying something about you had an admiration for benedict and of course you love the saint benedict's medal mm-hmm. but do you know why that is this is this is how pure of heart our dear producer rebecca is she is a lover of the things that are discarded and gives them new life, whether it's dogs, houses, people, saints. When I told her, I was trying to explain about like our modern day popes, right? I'm like, everybody loves John Paul, but it was kind of hard for Benedict. Like people weren't really a fan. And then of course, Francis. Some people are. Right. But Benedict, like that's, that's, it's like hard to follow such a big act like John Paul. And so she, that was the cross she picked up. She's like, I'm going to be pro Benedict. So (laughs) since then she, she has um, given all of her love and energy to Benedict. And I think he would really appreciate that. That's very kind of you. She's restoring a house that was discarded. She is two rescue dogs. He's still alive. A brilliant theologian. Mm -hmm. And probably one of the most brilliant popes of the, the last hundred years. Yeah, but it's it's um, 
I don't think a lot of people know that because I think when you when you have like such a popular pope like John Paul Pope John Paul it's like you're there's people didn't even get to see that side of him Benedict was an introvert John Paul II was an extrovert I remember once at being in Washington DC and all of the college Catholic college presidents got invited to meet with Benedict. You just so, get to do everything as a Catholic yeah. college president. Yeah, there's a lot of nice perks. Um, <laughs> Sweaters. And so um, the, we, I went, and it was interesting to see, because I had seen John Paul II when I lived in Rome, and I'd seen him on multiple occasions, and how easy he was with the crowd. Mm-hmm. And so the, it was at Catholic University of America. There was a stage set up. All the college students were in the front of the stage, you know, and doing what you do when there's a Pope, you go crazy, you know, everybody's cheering and and carrying on. And I remember thinking John Paul II would have just very naturally moved to the front of the stage and engaged with the crowd. Right. And I thought Benedict's a lot more like me, introverted, and he had to be told. I remember his his secretary kind of just gently said, move up to the front of the, of yeah. the stage of Monsignor Genswein, um, who was the secretary at the time, just kind of gently directed him. It wasn't that he didn't want to do it. He Once he did it, he was fine, and the students went crazy. But for John Paul II, he was a natural at that. He was right. an actor. He was in theater when he was young. So he understood how to do it, how to be a stage. Not everybody knows how to do that naturally. Right. And does it not come as naturally to you? I don't think it does. I mean, well, I think it's a learned thing with me. Luckily I, for you and and Pope Benedict, you both have a Lauren. Your chief right. of staff, Lauren McCrary, is like, Father Larry, you should probably yeah, go and yeah. like hype up the crowds. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. then the crowd goes wild. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. I've learned how to do it over the years, but, you know, it's not something that you know it comes naturally to a lot of people. So you have to think, you know, oh, this is what they want me to do. Dance money. You know, and with John Paul II, I think he just did it naturally. What about when you whisper, nobody can hear you. I, I said, <laughs> dance, monkey, dance. <laughs> Give the people what they want. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, okay. Well, and for an introvert though, as as I said, like you've you've um you are really good at doing what you need to do. It's part of the job. That's but it's also rough, though. I enjoy. I don't mind doing. But that's there's a lot that you're expected to do as a like it's full time job of friendliness. Like how do you how do you set boundaries? I mean, I know we're not really talking about this today, but how do you set boundaries when your job is also your faith and also what like it's everything? It's who you are, isn't it? Yeah. At that point, how do you do that? Well, you, you, you don't make yourself available twenty four seven. But even on days when you're like, this is just figuratively speaking, like, I don't want to hype up the crowd today. Oh, yeah. We don't have a choice. <laughs> you just have to. You just got to do it. Yeah. Game yeah. face on. Yeah. 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 Well, what makes... well, it's like an extrovert that says, okay, today you're going to spend the day in prayer. Well, I don't want to spend a day in prayer. Well, now you're going to spend a day in prayer because that's what you're supposed to do that day. Oh, okay. For an you extrovert. So sometimes you've got to do things. I mean, it's the grown up thing, right? I mean, but at some point you grow up and you realize you got to do things you don't want to do. But isn't it actually, I feel like as a grown-up, this is where I'm stumbling right now because COVID kind of showed us we're adults. We don't have to do what we don't want to do. 
I know. And because I feel like before, you know, when you're growing up and your mom's like, go say thank you for that thing or just be nice or answer the question. And I feel like the older you get, you realize I don't have to, I don't have to do that. (laughs) So now I'm kind of in, um, I like stay home a lot. I say no a lot. Do you, you're really good at being doing the things you need to do because you're a really good friend but my problem is is breaking it so say like I always have to make sure something's after like I've got a meeting after what I'm doing or that other person's got something to go to after that because I I get anxious I know and I get anxious (laughs) thinking like uh, yeah 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 I hate saying I don't want to leave I know oh I want to leave or whatever yeah. I always make sure I've planned something. So then yeah. there's not come out of control. <laughs> it's kind of funny though, in our neighborhood, we live we live in an older neighborhood, but there are some younger people that are friends that have moved in. The Hurleys are down the street and um Jansen and Ashley are on on our in our neighborhood too. And it's funny when we when we walk Hallie, the difference the older generation are happy to talk to us and but then like our really good friends that we don't really talk to that often we're all happy just being like hey hope your family's well <laughs> like walking on You're we all have like a social anxiety <laughs> just happy to be at home so yeah. do you do you I, I, I think the older I've gotten I've just gotten more direct with people like okay our time's over Oh, time. I love that. I wish you I know. knew how to do it. How do like, you do that? you have people at your house and it's 11 o'clock and you, you spend your time, you're kind of stretching. Going, oh, I guess it's going to be an early day and nobody takes the hint. It's like, uh, I've got to get up really early tomorrow. So uh, thank you all for being here. Um, good night. Good night. <laughs> I thank cannot imagine night. saying that, but no. I wish I could. It sounds so right up. I don't think people mind it. Okay, wait, say that again so I can like, train I've us. Got a really train early us. morning. I've got a really early morning. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. So I apologize, but I need to go to bed. Oh, you could do this. Y'all are welcome to hang out here if you want. I need to go to bed. If I and do, I everyone is like, people. that's awkward, Willie. Really. I want you, <laughs> I want you to practice saying that exactly. And most people will leave at that point. No, I would be like, <laughs> okay, I'm just going to say that. That's easy. And then it would come out as like, hey, you guys, I'm so glad you're here. I'm really having a good time. I've had a lot of anxiety. <laughs> you are making it all so much better. I'm they just like, longer. I know. It's like, really? Like, you don't have to leave. But if you wanted to, don't let me keep you here. But you are welcome to stay forever. Please. Do you, do you want more wine? <laughs> Please stay. But I'm going to... Actually, I'll just stay up. Let's. Well, and that's the quickest way is just only to have a limited amount of uh, food and drink ah, we available, out. and you run out. Well, when you did, when you had us out, we all just brought our own and kind of. Yeah, that's dangerous if people that's bring their own. Dangerous. We become equipped for a yeah. few hours. But I, I don't mind if people just want to like. Yeah, you can have the living room. I'm going to bed. Um. I would have laughed so hard. Like if you would have been like, you all stay. I would have made a point to be like, we are staying and we're having a rager. We're inviting more people. <laughs> like I would have made you be like, all right, enough. Like you've got to go. It's way past. You're past your welcome. No. Yeah. We'll do that it's next time. Good. How long are you? Wait, did you, did you, didn't you sign a, your contract last year? How long are you contracted? About three more years. Okay. I just decided to, add, to extend for three years. 
that must be nice to be like, eh, yeah, I think I'll stay a few more years. And they're like, thank you. Thank you, Father Leary. Thanks for staying. <laughs> no, otherwise it'd be in a parish. <clears throat> Would you have to? When are you allowed to retire as a priest? In our diocese, technically 75. Man. But what are they going to do? So you have decide to go earlier. Oh, yeah. Well, they won't they fire you? If you have retirement. What? Like if you went earlier. If I went earlier. And you I wouldn't social, want to perish, would I you? I Social Security. Well, I'll have a parish eventually before I Do you retire. want that? I wouldn't mind. I can see you being like really popular at a parish. I wouldn't mind just having the fun of what, like what they did at the cathedral, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But that's a lot There's of like shaking hands. And lots more better presents for pastors. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> better presents. President of the university, you get nothing. Because <laughs> <laughs> your constituents are. Um, Our blind student students. made me a, a, a braille heart. He made me a braille heart on a little piece of paper. No. And you're like, I would have rather have had bourbon. Is that what you said? Yeah. That's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> better presents. So that's how when priests retire, that's a retirement job, a cush yeah. retirement job. Well, I don't know how cush it is, but mm -hmm. yeah, it depends on. I'm not used to, all, I wouldn't be used to all the complaining and the infighting. And You'd be like, Yeah, that's what you could do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to practice they, that. They don't. <laughs> Whatever. Go to bed. <laughs> Bye. You know, hang out here if you want. <laughs> hang out at the church as long as you want. You bed. should finish every homily. Yeah, I'm going to go now. You can hang out here if you want. <laughs> Going to bed. <laughs> oh, that's All right, weird. are we recording? Uh -huh. Okay, it's time for our fish and chips, fish uh, and spaghetti chip. and meatballs. Spaghetti and meatballs uh, for so our Italian listeners. Since it's Easter, spaghetti and meatballs may be appropriate. It is not a uncatholic dish, and since it was invented in Italy, um, by probably a Catholic. By probably a Catholic, it seems like it's perfectly appropriate. If somebody wants to fact check that, go for well, it. Actually, noodles were invented in China. Oh, so, um, but back checked yourself. Creating the pasta version of noodles. Yeah. Um, I had the best noodle bowl in um, Colorado Springs last week. Oh, Colorado Springs is gorgeous. So, uh, Eucharist. So, Rebecca, mm -hmm. part of your experience a couple weeks ago at the Easter Vigil, uh, you were initiated, fully initiated into the church mm -hmm. through baptism, confirmation, and Eucharist. And sometimes we forget that Eucharist is one of the sacraments of initiation. It's one of the ways you're brought in, into the church. And I think it was somebody sitting next to me asked me, um, who's sitting on this? Sarah. Sarah. And you were and me. And, 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 and somebody said, why are they doing it backwards? Because you were baptized, confirmed, and then received Holy Communion. Oh. And typically for Catholics, you're baptized as a baby, right? You receive first Holy Communion in second mm -hmm. grade, and then you're confirmed sometime think in about that. seventh grade. Uh -huh. Well, that's because in the history of the Western Rite, not the Eastern Rite, the Western Rite, they reversed things, and they made confirmation into a sacrament of kind of moving into adulthood. But originally, and we still see this in what you experienced and in what the Eastern Church does, 
confirmation was one of the sacraments of initiation. It was not a sacrament of initiating into adulthood. Mm -hmm. We really don't have one of those in the church, but that's what confirmation became. Mm. So in the earliest days of the church, you would be baptized, confirmed, or what was called chrismation because your sacred chrism is the oil that was used, mm -hmm. and then you would receive Holy Communion. And to this day in the Eastern Orthodox Church and in the Eastern Rite Catholic Church, a baby is brought into the church, they're baptized, and they're fully immersed into, you sometimes will see those YouTube videos so of the, the baby yes. just fully splashed into the water. Then they receive the sacred chrism as a sacrament of confirmation, and uh, then Holy Communion. Um, and what they'll do, and I'm not sure what they do exactly in the Eastern Church, whether they give like a little drop, a tiny drop of precious blood or a little a piece of uh, the host to, to the infant because they're not old enough for solid food, obviously, but it's just a drop. And then they don't receive communion again until they're old enough to, but that way they're fully initiated into the church. And they would argue, we want this child fully initiated into church. You, you know, those in the Western Rite are dragging this out over 12, 14 years. And for some 18 years, like myself. You know, <laughs> and mine, yes. Uh, and the longer you wait, though, the more you appreciate. Yeah, the three of us. We waited a long yeah. time. But ideally, we would have been initiated fully at, at one time the way uh, Rebecca was. Yeah. Um, and in the early stages of the church, probably baptism and confirmation were considered one sacrament together. And it was only over time that they were split up. Mm. But you received then also Holy Communion for the first time mm -hmm. at Easter Vigil. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about Did it taste like that. you thought it would taste? I think so. You know, it's what's funny is I went, I actually went to Mass this morning and then I got to the front and forgot that I can. Oh. I nearly did my arms crossed and then I just looked at the lady in her face and I was like, oh yeah. And then I totally that forgot. So, so sweet. I still just remember yes. remembering that because mm -hmm. I've been doing this for so long because my arms. But uh, Father Larry was yeah. the one who, the first time you went up for a blessing, wasn't it with Father yeah. Larry? Yeah. Get you. And you could always do that. You know, we had that session on people choosing to go to communion or not to go to communion. It's always an individual choice, but mm -hmm. somebody can always, you know, choose to get a blessing instead of going to communion if they felt like they didn't want to or there was a reason not to. Do you as a priest, if you saw like someone who is confirmed and they like came up for a blessing, is your thought like, ooh, what'd you do? What'd you do? No. <laughs> it must have been a big one. No, I just, I don't have any kind of assumption at all because... It, everybody, and that's one thing you learn after you've done this. Um, I'll be ordained 35 years in a couple of weeks. Wow. And um, after all that time, you realize people have different reasons, different motivations, and yeah. it's not good to try to get into somebody's head. I don't really want to be in other people's heads or what their moral life is. You know, i got to deal with my own right. uh, space and it let people be on their journey. I'm happy to help and walk with anybody on their journey, but I'm never going to do your journey for you. Ooh, that's you know? good. So yeah. That, Cause I can't. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, so this is a judge free zone, the judge free, judge free zone. That's judge -free right. Zone. Okay. But 
when you were taught, when you all learned this, how, how is the Eucharist a sacrament of initiation? What, what happens in receiving the Eucharist that brings you more fully into the church? It was a test. So you are one with Christ at that moment, though, and one with the church. Yes, and Christ is the, the church is the body of Christ in the world. Mm-hmm. She got it. Uh, She's job. the best. With she knows more than all, all of around. us. Yeah. <laughs> so actually, with this conversation on Eucharist, I would like you to do your explanation because I don't think we recorded it last time. I think this may have been a common thread discussion, but I love. I actually used it in RCIA before. I love your explanation of how the the molecules and the atoms and how Jesus takes the form of that. So it still looks the same, but it's made of something else. In terms of substance, yeah, Yeah, transubstantiation. Yes, I'd love for you to do that. Because we had a lot of uh, medical and science students in our RCIA group this time. I feel like that was such a good moment for me to understand the presence of Jesus in there because I mean I see a a wafer everyone sees a wafer right they taste a wafer yeah if you could smell it they would smell a wafer exactly so it's really that explanation is what got me yes and I'll add um I mean man uh, growing up, I thought, okay, it's just, it's symbolic. Mm-hmm. And then the older you get, then you learn, no, no, we really believe that that's what it is. And then you kind of go through a moment of like, this kind of, is this sacrilegious? Are we worshiping idols? Like this isn't, mm-hmm. this is a wafer. Like what, what are we supposed to believe? What does it really mean? You know, that's, that's, that's a really outstanding question and uh, it gets at the heart of a question that theologians have debated for a long time so we've always believed the bread and the wine become the body and blood of christ so what does that mean you know so for our protestant friends it's primarily in terms of symbol Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's interesting the word symbol can be more powerful than just you know something that points to something else a symbol Mm -hmm. can be a really powerful thing because we also hold the notion of symbol is part of it, but symbol in a very deep and profound way. So um, different theologians came up with different ideas and Thomas Aquinas in the 13th century, uh, the 1200s kind of solidified our thinking on a lot of that, even though we can still continue to find new and better ways of putting it. Mm -hmm. Before that, there were some what were called Eucharistic controversies when people were trying to ask the question, what do we mean by this is the body and blood of Christ? And some people even went so far as to say, we are drinking the literal blood right. of Jesus. We are crunching his bones in, in with our teeth. And, you know, and that's how it was kind of portrayed to me. And I, and I hate it because I wish I would have been able to ask these questions sooner. Like, I feel like we should all be able to ask this before we receive communion for the first time, because you're sitting there just like, I don't know if I'll believe this, but I really want to just go along with it. So, so, you know, so Thomas Aquinas gave us some language that he actually borrowed from the ancient Greeks to help us understand what happens, that we're not crunching the bones of Jesus and ripping apart his flesh mm-hmm. when we eat the, mm-hmm. the Eucharist. We're not 
you know, consuming uh, human blood as, as you know, right. actual blood that would be, you know, taken out of somebody's veins. Um, and so there's a fine line to try to understand this. But so we believe that the Eucharist is the body, blood, uh, soul and divinity of Christ. And it, it, Jesus is fully present in his humanity and his divinity, but not in his physical body. I mean, that's kind of obvious, right? Mm -hmm. If it was his physical body present, we'd have a six foot man, you know, that the priest would right. be holding up. <laughs> so what exactly is it when we mean the, the body of Christ? And so Thomas Aquinas developed this notion of transubstantiation. And you all who are longtime Catholics, you've heard this expression before. The idea, and it's based on a, a Greek Aristotelian from Aristotle, metaphysics, which we don't necessarily use today, but it helps us to understand this, that the world consists of what's called substance and accidents. And accidents are the things that you can touch, see, smell, taste. Substance is the reality of what something is. So um, I can hold a this book that I have in my hand. Those of you out there, imagine I've got a book. Yes, yeah, see right there's <laughs> my book. A book, and this book has a smooth cover. Uh, when I flick the pages, I can hear the pages. Um, I I can. Uh, there's a little ribbon that I can snap, and it makes a noise, so I can hear book. that. Yeah. Uh, it even has a little bookish type smell to it. Those are what would be called the accidents that flow from the substance of this book and help us to understand that it is a book. Um, Wait, say that again. These are the substance. These are the accidents. The accidents. accidents of the book. The substance is what's called the bookness. It's what actually makes this a book. So everything has an essence to it that identifies what it is. So this microphone has something called microphone-ness that helps it to be a microphone. Bookness. So when we bring and and we can't confuse that inner essence of this reality with the accidents or what it looks like. Those are expressions of what it looks like that helps us to understand what it is. Okay, so. That's so incredible, I'm with you. So bread, How does he remember this stuff? Bread, the host is bread, it's unleavened bread. It has the accidents of bread. So it tastes like bread, it smells like bread, it crunches like bread. You know, if you snap it, it sounds like bread being snapped. Um, most bread doesn't snap, but this kind of bread Our does snap. Catholic so, bread yeah. does. So uh, that, but it also is, uh, it is bread. It, the substance of it is breadness. Okay, that makes it bread. So Thomas, Saint Thomas said, what happens in the Eucharist is the substance of bread is changed into the substance of Christ, while the accidents remain. So yeah. the taste, smell, sound of bread remains intact, while what was originally bread, the breadness, the essence of bread, is no longer there. It's been replaced with 
the substance or the essence of Christ so that it's no longer bread. It is Christ. It looks like bread. It tastes like bread. It smells like bread. But the essence of bread has been replaced miraculously by the essence or substance of Christ. It, and the same is true with the precious blood. The wine, the things that make it wine to us are still there, but the very essence, the interiorness of wine is no longer there. It's been replaced with Christ. And so we're receiving not just the body and blood of Christ, but we receive Holy Communion. We're receiving the full Christ. So when you receive the host, you receive the fullness of Christ, body and blood. We're not separating the two. And we receive uh, the, the, the precious blood. We're receiving the fullness of Christ symbolically represented in, in, in this wine. And when I say symbolically represented, I mean symbolically in a real way that what is represented here, which is Christ's blood, is truly what is happening. Okay. There's a lot to unpack with that. Yeah, and we have about two minutes. Okay. Uh, wow. Um, I've, I'm not saying it's not possible, but... No, it's not. It's, it's not, not nothing's possible. not, it's, it's, nothing's it's impossible. A, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. Yeah, it's not possible. But, but not, not from the natural point of world, it's not possible. It is a divine intervention. Okay. It's a, it's a matter of faith. Right. It's a matter of faith. Um, but as Catholics, we say that only you as a priest has the ability to um, start that miraculous, to confect that. What's uh, so in, that's in, where it feels in, a little like. The, magic i didn't want to say that i didn't yeah. want to say that because it that, like and that's where the word hocus pocus came from did you know that no because yeah. i know that's offensive i don't that's offensive to you no it's here. not offensive to me because i i i, I want to avoid that it sounds or looks like magic too. okay good. But just as an aside the word hocus pocus came from the words that the priest said at mass <laughs> hoc Est corpus meum. That is, which is amazing. The Latin for this is my body. Hoc est corpus meum, hocus pocus. And so our Protestant friends would say, what these Catholics are doing is just nothing but magic. It's just a bunch of hocus pocus. That's amazing. So that was intended to be. I thought Bette Midler and her friends invented it for the Disney movie. But anyway. It was intended to be an insult originally. But I mean, and that's the ultimate, that's the ultimate insult right. is to be like what a priest is doing magic. is magic. But as, as a Catholic who's trying to figure it out, I'm like, it's right. kind of sad. And so like if, it. if we just think it's, it, it, it's, it's one of those things that's, we have to be careful because in the Western tradition, we, uh, of the church, it's. The focus is very much on what are called the words of consecration. This is my body. This is my blood. And mm -hmm. at that moment, the body and blood become the uh, the bread and wine become the body and blood of Christ. In the Eastern tradition, there's more of a focus of the total prayer. So it does by focusing just on those words, it does feel more like okay, they're just you know waving their magic wand over this and thinking something's happening. So. Truly, best understood, even in the Western tradition, it's not just those words. Those words are important. Mm -hmm. The priest is supposed to pronounce them very carefully because that's that's 
that's an expression of what Jesus said. The, the, the words are from sacred scripture. But you have to look at the whole prayer. Mm -hmm. And the fact that unless there's a reason not to, a, a serious reason not to, the priest is never supposed to say mass by himself. There should always be at least one other person and preferably a congregation. Because we understand this is a prayer of the church. Mm. The priest's words are important because he represents the people. Mm -hmm. He represents the, it stands in the place of Christ. Mm -hmm. um, and then the word in Latin for that is Alter Christus. He stands in the place of Christ at, at that moment, but representing the people and the church. So uniting the prayers of the church together mm. as one. Oh, and so okay. okay. It, well, it is possible for a priest to say mass by himself. There is a certain uh, poverty in that that doesn't affect, you know, that it's not a lesser Jesus for, as a result of that, but affects the full experience of it. So mm. I would argue that it's not just the priest saying the words, but it's the faith of the people. Oh, so it, the more people, the better that you Well, no, okay. no, not necessarily. No. I mean, you can just have three or four people, it, but it should be. But it, it's help, like there's there's something to it. There's something, the faith in the, it. The faith of the people is important. Okay. Yes. Um, because even though the priest could say the words and we believe that in that prayer, it becomes the body and blood of Christ. If the people aren't united in faith, mm -hmm. then something's missing. And something right. very important is missing is the faith of the people. Right. And while Jesus is still fully there and everything, we also know that the faith of the people is, is critically important. Right. So bringing your own faith to that is, is important. Um, but yeah, I think we have to be careful that it doesn't feel like magic because that can be an interpretation right. that people could take away from it is that um, that uh, if you was that just a we just casting a spell yeah <laughs> there was like a floating something <laughs> she looked, she and it literally kind of looked her hand in my direction trying to she was grab it kind of some kind of spell yeah, and I thought like oh I'm mixing something now. up well we we obviously have to end this episode but I want to hear more about this um. I'm tuned in. This sounds more like um, less like magic and more like something else. And so I want to hear more about that. And so we're going to talk in our next episode more about the Eucharist and about the miracles that come from it and about um, how separating it from magic to something so special that has survived how many years? Um, I oh, want to know yeah. about where it came from, who came up with these, who, with the prayers, how we decided on it, that this was the recipe that created this. I mean, that this is the cornerstone of our, of our faith. Like, could we do the same thing with pizza? Right. What, and what is, what, and what distinguishes your ability to say it from mine um, as a non-priest? Yeah, so I think, I think we'll those are really that. good and valid questions. Okay. And um, I, one thing I would add is, is in terms of just kind of wrapping this up for this time, and we'll go into more depth next time, is the purpose of the Eucharist is, is for the people. So it's not just for Jesus himself to be like, okay, look, I'm, I'm now a host, everybody adore me. It's to provide nourishment 
for mm. you, those who are receiving it. And then, and as Rebecca put it so well, you become part of Christ. You become the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. St. Augustine said, you become what you eat. And, mm. you know. That was so, him? Yeah, that was him. Oh. It's not, you are what you eat, but you become what you eat. Okay, got it. Um, Somebody probably stole that. Yeah. Augustine. <laughs> yes. um, we become the body of Christ. And then the jo- real job begins of being a Christian, not going to mass, but then taking what you received at mass out through the doors mm. into the world mm. and helping the world to be transformed in Christ. Wow. That's beautiful. Um, yeah. Yeah. You want to talk about anything else? Well, you know, at, at some point, we know also know that the big uh, issue that's being screamed all over the media right now is this so the alleged decision of the Supreme Court okay. on Roe versus Wade. And we've been avoiding getting into this issue too much because we know it's a minefield. But I know. Won't. And I feel like every time we talk about it, um, like it seems like for Catholics, there is only one answer to right. this debate. But I feel like when the three of us talk about it and we say, this is what we know as Catholics, but also what about this? And right. what about this instance? And well, then does this mean this? And and so we're trying to figure that out. I mean, you know better than we do, but we we definitely want to have that conversation. conversation. Um, so after if, things settle down. Yeah. Yeah. Now's a good time though, to, to talk about it and um, just to see where we are and where we're supposed to be as Catholics, as what we believe. I mean, no matter uh, what side of the aisle you're on politically, what does that mean for you as a Catholic with your beliefs? So we're going to, and they tell us that 70% of Americans are in one form or another in support of Roe versus Wade. Mm Mm-hmm. That must include some Catholics. It includes a lot of Catholics. And so yeah. what does that mean? And how do we reconcile that? So that's gonna be a topic. Yeah. Um we'll we'll we should have it. a we should have another um priest and another Halflick handle that so then we can just sit we back just, and relax. Because <laughs> it seems like a big one. This might I be above our I'll pay grade. Sit over here and have a Y'all talk about it. Y'all talk about it. And- <laughs> If you'd like to have that conversation, you let us know. Yeah. So um, well, um, we do want your questions. As yeah. Well. Right. Yeah. If Help us guide questions. this conversation because it's going to be a big one. And we want to know what your questions are and what you're curious about it. So, yeah. Okay. okay for your closing, our closing prayer. Um, no, do remember what we talked about. Mary one. Oh, yeah. It's May. Exactly. It's yes. gonna be May. Do you have one? I don't. Oh, she's Catholic now. She has to lead the prayer. Yeah. I don't think so. Yes. There's many traditional Marian prayers that are pretty easy. We're gonna have Holy Queen together. We all know that one. Do we all know that one? Do we all know that one? I know the song. I texted it to you all. We can do it together. You know I went to Protestant school. Oh, your mom's gonna be mad. Oh my gosh, she just texts me. <laughs> you know the memorite. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Um, did you did you get it? Yeah. Okay. So are we going to say it all together? Okay. Yeah. All right. So let us pray. The month of Mary, Father and this Son, is a beautiful Father prayer. Spirit. Remember, Remember most, most gracious Virgin Mary, Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my Mother. 
To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. This podcast is ended. Go love as you have been told to love. And thanks be to God. No. (sighs) I get when you put me on the spot. Peace be with you. And peace be. No, you didn't say peace. You're the one who says that. Let's try again. Okay. All right. This podcast had ended. Go in love as you've been told to love. Peace be with you. And with your spirit. And Godspeed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>